Welcome to Understanding the Law. Your host for the program is Peter Lamont. Mr. Lamont is a business and personal law attorney and the principal of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont. The firm has offices in New Jersey, New York, Colorado, Puerto Rico, and affiliated offices throughout the country. Understanding the Law is a weekly radio broadcast discussing a variety of legal topics that affect our listeners. Please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. As always, we welcome calls from our listeners. If you wish to discuss any of today's topics, please call our switchboard at 347-855-8831. And now, your host, Peter Lamont. Well, welcome. It is uh, Saturday night, and this is We've been, you know, something we've been promising, something new, uh, talking about changing up the show a bit, and that's what today is. This is episode 60, and uh, it's it's a Friday, or not a Friday, it's Saturday night week in review. So we're going to start doing a weekly review of the law, talking about the guests that we've had on, um, you know, during the week, and we're going to do something new, which hopefully you'll find entertaining, which is the top three things that I found during the week that should be illegal, and we'll get to that later. Um, but I want to welcome people to the show who might not be used to listening at this time and encourage you to call in if you want to talk about one of the topics that we're going to bring up uh, during the show or if you've got legal questions that are unrelated to the topics. The call-in number is 347-855-8831. And uh, just to give you a little bit of background for those of you not used to this show, um, the show typically airs Thursdays at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, occasionally on Mondays. And it's uh, it's called Understanding the Law. And what it really is is sort of a, um, a show about law, about business, and it's really meant for anybody, uh, whether you're interested in law, interested in business, interested in your rights as a person. And on the Thursday show, we typically have guests on who we interview, and we talk about everything from legality of gun control to how you manage employees, how you motivate employees, how you start a business, how you uh, you know maintain a business, social media, and Everything in between. So that's typically what the show is. But the Thursday show is generally an interview. And I, and I get some time towards the end to talk a little bit about, um, you know, some of the, the legal topics that we either discuss during the interview or whatnot. But we've not really done um, an evening show and certainly not on a Saturday night. And uh, I thought it would be something interesting and hopefully open it up to a wider range of people because I know that it's tough. Some people are working and, and can't call into the show, but you know that's what we're going to try to do. Hopefully it's a little bit entertaining uh, and informative, and it'll encourage you if you, you know, hear about the guests that we had on during the week to kind of go back and either listen to the prior shows or you know view the shows on our YouTube channel because every interview that we do is then um, edited down, put into a video, and it's it's hosted on our YouTube uh, page. So I am, unlike Cousin Brucey, not used to doing this on Saturday night, but I'm going to pretend 
that I am Cousin Brucey. For those of you who remember Cousin Brucey, I think he was on, uh, what was it, the oldie station, CBS FM, I think it was. I remember my parents always listening to uh, to the 60s music, and then I got such a massive kick out of some of the songs and things that they talked about. Um, I remember being a big fan of, of the 60s music, leader of the pack and that sort of thing. So uh, here's how we're going to do it today. I want to talk about this week's legal news, and then we're going to get into a summary of uh, our guest for the week, talk about some other issues and upcoming things, and then uh, we'll get down to the top three things that should be illegal. All right, so you've heard this story, right? It's a completely ridiculous and, and disturbing story out in California about this nanny that will not leave. Um, so the story here is that this family, I believe they're the, the Gonzalez's, um, they hire this woman who's in her 60s. She's like 64 years old. And they bring her in, and she's a live-in nanny. And she's a nanny slash housekeeper. So her job is to take care of, of, of the house, you know, and the kids and that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, the woman's 64 years old, right? So she's living now with this California family, and she doesn't do anything that she's supposed to do. She locks herself in the room. She's not doing any of the work that they were paying her to do, and they've now got her living in the house. So they fire her because, you know, she's, she's no good. But she won't leave. She won't leave the house. It's gotten to the point where the family has locked the refrigerator so that, you know, she's going to be hungry and, and not want to stay in the house. But they can't get this woman to leave. And it's really crazy. And if you look at a lot of the stuff that's out there, comment-wise, um, you know, social media, people posting and saying how this is ridiculous, a lot of people are saying, you know, this is not right. She's an employee. She was fired. And therefore, they should just lock the door and kick her out. But the interesting thing is that in California, the law is such that if you have a live-in worker, a domestic person that lives in your house, it is very difficult. Once they've established some you know, permanency in their situation, right? it's not like somebody who's there one night, not there, this woman's there all the time, you can't just go and, and fire them and kick them out. So they call the police, and the police tell them, look, we can't help you. This isn't a criminal matter. This is a civil matter. So they're forced to file a lawsuit, try to get an eviction, and go through this, this formal leading legal procedure to get this woman out. And then think about it. I mean, isn't it ridiculous? You've got this woman who is in your house, and you can't get her to leave. You know, it's completely ri ridiculous. But each jurisdiction, each state, they have different laws. Um, I think it was a couple years ago, New York, maybe about two years ago, New York passed a law uh, called the Domestic Workers' Bill of Rights. And it was really aimed at trying to give better rights to domestic workers, especially people that live in, um, in the home with you. And, and I believe that this campaign uh, from the National Domestic Workers' Alliance uh, sort of came out at the same time that the movie The Help was out, and there was the, that book, The Help, uh, which, by the way, is a good movie, um, but it deals with an African-American um, housekeeper, uh, set back. 
I, I don't think it was the turn of the century. I think it might have been after the Civil War, but I'm not sure. I don't remember the details. Um, but my wife says it was an awesome book. I just saw the movie, and I thought it was good. Um, but the idea is that they were trying to give better rights and working conditions to people that work as domestic employees because the philosophy is just because you live where you work doesn't mean that you're not an employee and you shouldn't have protection under the state law. And to an extent, that's true. But, you know, New York State has, um, in an effort to try to, um, I don't know, I, I guess protect the workers, they've done things like made certain insurance mandatory. Um, obviously, minimum wage laws are going to apply. And, you know, you can't just bring somebody into your house who now moves all their junk in and they're living with you and then kick them out without, you know, going through proper channels. So... Well, it completely seems unfair and ridiculous about this 64-year-old, the people in California, they just can't go get her out because they fired her. And it's not fair at all. But I'll tell you, what you can learn from this is a few things. First of all, when you hire somebody, it doesn't make a difference if you're hiring them for your business or hiring them to work in your house. But if you're hiring them to work in your house, I mean, I'd even be like super diligent because I'll tell you a story in a minute about something that happened to us um, but before I do that let me finish my thought which is that you need to do background checks on these people that are coming into your house to your business if you're going to hire somebody you have the right to know what their background is now if they had done proper background checks on this woman they would have found out that she has a string of lawsuits that had been filed against her for you know virtually the same thing she was constantly moving in and you know doesn't want to leave and being fired and all these lawsuits and and that should have been a series of red flags that said you know hey we shouldn't have this woman in our house it's it's bad news but unfortunately um, they they apparently didn't do that kind of quality background check so that's, that's lesson number one. If you're going to hire an employee, somebody that you're going to pay, somebody that you're going to give responsibility to, somebody that might have access to corporate funds or to um, important information, or if they're going to be living in your house, you need to do proper background checks and make sure you know who it is that you're bringing in because it'll give you sort of an idea of whether or not you've got a potential problem on your hands. So I, I promised you a story. I want to tell you a few years ago, um, we had an acquaintance whose daughter was in high school, and she was constantly offering to watch our our kids. Um, my wife and I just typically don't use babysitters. Um, we we really don't go out together often because we're constantly with the kids. So um, when this girl had approached us and we knew her mother and she had said you know let me babysit the kids I've done it before I've worked for other families and you know I'll do a good job and I promise and so you know my wife and I were hesitant but we said all right what the heck we know the family um, you know she's she's a high school kid uh, there's not a lot of background to check but yeah we're gonna give it a try so my wife had her come over for a few hours one day while she was home and just saw the interaction and how she was with the kids. And, 
then had her back a few days later for a few more hours, and then again a third time when my wife actually left the house for about 20 minutes and then came back. And so it all seemed to be working out. So one night, uh, we, this is probably the fourth time that we had her watch the kids. I was in the office, and my office is, is a very short distance from my house. And I had spoken to my wife. My wife said, listen, I'm leaving. I'm going now. The babysitter's here. She um, is waiting for you to come home. I said, all right, I'm going to be home in about 20 minutes. So there was a 20-minute gap where I wasn't in the house and my wife wasn't in the house. So it was just the babysitter and my three kids. And at the time, I guess my oldest kid was 10 years old, and then there was a 7-year-old and um, a little guy. And when I walk in the door, I see the kids eating ice cream at the kitchen table. And I know we didn't have ice cream in the house. And I said to my oldest, what's going on? And he said that the babysitter had walked them down to an ice cream place. You know, maybe it was half a block or a block away from the house. Without my permission, right, left the doors unlocked because she didn't have keys to get back in the house. She just left the doors unlocked and walked my kids. And, and, you know, our youngest was probably, I don't know, a, a year old, walked them down to this ice cream place bought them ice cream and came back. And I was furious. And my wife was insane. She was like the Incredible Hulk. You know, it's it's very upsetting. You feel like you've been violated. And, you know, we fired the girl. And um, we've never used the babysitter since. But it's it's a good illustration. Because, you know, here we are. We were had a window of 20 minutes where our kids were left alone with this babysitter. You know, and you should really kind of just learn from, from the story that I'm talking about and then obviously what this woman in California crazy lady is doing. So make sure you do background checks. You know, without a doubt, you've got to do background checks. And the other thing that you've got to do, number two, is you really have to be well-versed with your state's laws concerning domestic workers. Because if you know you're in a state where you cannot easily fire somebody and ask them to leave your premises you should, you know, think seriously about what you're doing because if you can't get them out in your state like California and now you're stuck with this person, and what a terrible, terrible scenario this is. You've got this terrible, awful woman barricaded in her room and she won't leave and what's your recourse? You know, perhaps if, if you were familiar with the laws in your state, you might not have someone live with you. Now, I mean, obviously that that's an option that some people have to accept, and that's totally fine. But understand that you should at least be aware of what the rights are of domestic workers. So that's what I want you to take away from that. It's a completely ridiculous story. It infuriates me because I know if I had this woman living in my house, I would throw her stuff out the window faster than uh, you know she could dial 911 I wouldn't want them in my house. It's, it's really, at this point, something that would be so upsetting. But, you know, this is what they're dealing with. So make sure that you do those things with respect to, uh, to the people that you, you know, bring into your house. The other thing I want to just mention, too, is um, this week, interestingly enough, we do human resources for a number of companies. And um, it's, it's kind of a, a different thing that most lawyers don't do. Uh, but 
because we're a business law firm and we specialize in business development and that sort of thing, we do background checks and human resources. So one company in particular had an individual that they wanted us to screen. And we probably screen about 50 employees for this company per week. And generally speaking, you know, you don't get a hit with somebody who's done something wrong. You're, you're generally reviewing the backgrounds and they're passing them because everything's okay. And, and, you know, you could get to the point where you feel almost like, oh, this is going to be another one. There's no problem, no problem, no problem. Maybe we should just pass them. But we don't do that. And, and you shouldn't do that if you're doing background checks on your own because I'll tell you what happened. So we're in the middle of like, you know, 45 background checks this week. And one of the legal assistants who's helping with the background checks brought in some documents and some paperwork. And as we look through them, we find out that the woman who this company was going to hire, well, her, her job, by the way, was to be a counselor for young kids. Uh, an emotional counselor, try to help them through tough situations and, and stuff like that. And this woman's resume was impressive. She had worked in Florida. She was the director of a program in Florida, worked at a school, on and on. Well, we look at the documents, and this woman has been arrested for heroin possession and sale, I don't know, like uh, four times. And what, what's happened is when she moved from Florida to New Jersey and she got a job, they did a background check for the state of New Jersey only. They didn't bother to check other jurisdictions. And the state of New Jersey, she's clear. But in Florida is where she had all this trouble. So, you know, another lesson to learn here is that when you're going to do a background check, make sure you do the right thing. And if you cannot do it yourself, go hire somebody. I'm not saying, you know, that you necessarily need to hire a lawyer. There are plenty of um, private investigation firms that do background checks. There are companies that specialize in it. But just don't buy one of these you know, crazy $9.99 a month things off the Internet where they you know, purportedly run quality background checks because they're not that good. They're just definitely not that good. Um, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to pay a lot for a background check either. But make sure you get something quality. All right, so enough with that crazy lady who they can't kick out in California. All right, now this one, this one is, is ridiculous, but this went off this week. So you have these two guys from New York State who buy a New Jersey lottery ticket, and they win a million dollars. Now, this is back in 2013, but here's what happened. So apparently the winning numbers weren't posted on the website, New Jersey Lottery's uh, website, that night. There was a delay. So the guys got their tickets. The numbers weren't posted. They threw their tickets away. Now they're suing the New Jersey State Lotto for the million-dollar prize and for all sorts of other damages. And they're saying that it was um, the fact that the current winning numbers were not accurate on the site and that the new numbers, which would have showed that they won the million, you know, weren't posted for a, a period of time. I'm not exactly sure. We don't have a copy of the complaint yet. Um, but so that's their argument. It's a negligence argument. And they're, you know, saying that the lotto was negligent. I think they're even saying not only the New Jersey State Lottery Commission, but I think they're saying Governor Christie was, was at fault somehow here, too. 
Um, but this is, sounds like a ridiculous lawsuit, but it's all based on negligence. And uh, the idea is that with a negligence claim, you've got to be able to prove that the, uh, the person who is allegedly committing the negligence owes a duty of care to somebody and that the duty of care was breached and that there's damages that you can connect to the breach. Um, and I don't think that they're going to be able to do that here because you know, obviously I don't have the facts and I don't have a copy of the complaint, but it seems like a ridiculous thing. Um, if they had held on the lottery ticket a day or two instead of throwing it out, I mean, I don't understand the, the need to throw it out immediately after checking the site. So we'll see where that goes, but I think that's a ridiculous uh, lawsuit, but that's what's gone on this week in New Jersey. Uh, now I want to shift focus to something I think is equally ridiculous, but it's interesting. In Florida, they just passed a law about Pop-Tart guns. It's called the Pop-Tart Bill. And essentially what it does is it prohibits kids in schools from shaping a Pop-Tart or any other food into the shape of, of a firearm or a weapon. So here's, here's what the Pop-Tart bill actually reads. It says that kids can face disciplinary or even criminal action uh, if they simulate firearms or weapons with food, right? I mean, I guess if you have a banana and you point the banana at somebody, even if it's, you know, an unloaded banana, you're going to get in trouble in, in Florida. Uh, possessing a toy firearm or weapon less than two inches in length. Possessing a toy firearm or weapon less than two inches. I don't understand that, but less than two inches in length. How could you even hold something that's less than two inches in length and maintain its shape looking like a weapon? Uh, using a fingernail, I'm sorry, using a finger to simulate a firearm, making a gun noise, and they give examples of the word bang and pew-pew. So I guess you can't talk about church and sitting in a pew, and you got to hope that nobody near you smells, because apparently that's going to be considered a gun noise. Drawing or possession pictures of weapons, and using a pencil or a pen to simulate a gun. Uh, the bill acknowledges that students can still be disciplined for substantially disrupting student learning or any sort of assault or battery while performing these activities. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, according to reports, this, this Pop-Tart bill uh, was all brought about by a seven-year-old suspension for chewing his toaster pastry into a shape that resembled a gun and uh, it's, it's completely ridiculous. Really, really ridiculous. And apparently it was a boy in Maryland who was suspended for doing the same thing with a Pop-Tart. I don't understand why Pop-Tarts make such uh, good weapons. But, I mean, I understand, um, you know, you're trying to keep kids safe and that sort of thing and I understand all about guns and gun control I think though that this is slightly excessive because I think that it opens the doors to potential problems where you've got a kid that's saying something you know bang or 
I, I don't know. I, I think that you're getting out of control here. But I mean, I, I get why they're trying to do it. You know, they want to make sure that there's there's no gun violence. But I don't know. This seems a little a little crazy to me. Um, all right. Next, I want to talk about this uh, area. I don't know if you've, you've heard about Aereo, but Aereo was big in the news this week. Uh, Aereo was a service that lets subscribers watch broadcast television online. And uh, they have never uh, gotten permission, copyright permission, from any of the major networks. And they were sued uh, by major networks like ABC and Fox, and, and they were saying that it infringed on their their rights. And uh, the Supreme Court actually took a look at this um, because it was being urged by groups like the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And on the 6-3 to three vote uh, back last Wednesday, the Supreme Court ruled that it was a violation of copyright law and they were um, obviously prevented from, uh, from continuing on with... with providing access to broadcast television um it's you know it's still early i think in this whole scenario to see what's going to happen and how it's going to play out and if this company's going to be around or what they can do um but you know it's it's another step forward in in this whole digital media world and we're going to constantly see new challenges new lawsuits new developments just because it's such a, an un Uncharted waters, you know, it's really something that we're going to have to deal with as they come up. So that's pretty interesting. And finally, this week, Justin Bieber. He apparently hit and injured a pedestrian with his Ferrari a year ago back on uh, Sunset Boulevard, and he's being sued in Superior Court uh, by the guy that he hit. And the guy's claiming, obviously, that he received a laceration, a crush injury, a hematoma. Deep abrasions to the left knee, venous thrombosis, you know, on and on. And he's suing Bieber for pain and suffering. So this comes down to really, um, does this, you know, does this accident, do the injuries actually, do they have any worth? Uh, in New Jersey, for example, there's there's a threshold that you have to achieve um, when you're suing for an automobile accident, and it's brought about by the uh, Automobile Insurance Cost Reduction Act. It's a whole big um, nonsensical thing, but it was aimed at trying to reduce tort, leg- uh, to- it's a tort legislation measure aimed at reducing lawsuits in the state. And so in order to sue now for an automobile accident, if you don't have this really super high-priced insurance that would allow you to sue for anything, uh, you can still sue, but you have to meet this threshold. And the injuries that this guy is alleging, these abrasions and scrapes and whatnot, I, doesn't rise to the level in New Jersey. It would never meet the threshold, and they'd be knocked out. But obviously this is California, so we'll have to see what happens there because it's going to be different. All right, that's it for this week in news. I want to talk now about... Um, our show this past Thursday, give you a quick recap. We had Steve Darnell on, and Steve Darnell, for those of you who don't know, is the CEO and um, 
founder of WelderUp out in Las Vegas, Nevada, and he's the star of the Discovery Channel show um, Vegas Rat Rods, and it's really fascinating, actually. And Steve, by the way, is a is a great guy, easy to talk to. He had a ton of information, um, and he was an interesting guest. And I really encourage all of you to go and check out episode fifty nine. Um, I, I think it's it's actually very very inspirational. Steve is a guy who came from humble beginnings, um, was a welder by trade, and you know there was a slowdown in his work, and he talked to his father and ended up coming up with this idea of doing something that he really loved. And what he really loved is something back in, in childhood. He used to put models together that were mismatched pieces, and he'd make these creations. So he was very artistic. So as you know, he, he started to think about what he really wanted to do, he started picking up scrap um, automobiles and pieces and parts, and he'd make these these hot rods, and then he'd take them around to these shows and show them off. And, um, it, it just really gained so much attention that the Discovery Channel came out and, and saw his operation, his company called Welder Up, and, and put him on a show. And he's really a great guy. He talks a lot about hard work and motivation and dedication and uh, what it takes to run a successful business and how difficult it is and how much effort you have to put in, but also what you know, wonderful rewards you get from it too. Um, but man, what an honest, straightforward guy. You know, he's, he welcomes people to give him a call. To, uh, to ask him questions. He's more than happy to answer them. And I think it's a really, really good uh, show to listen to. The video is already up on YouTube. And for those of you who don't know, just, just go to YouTube and search uh, Law Offices of Peter Lamont, and you'll come to our channel. And one of the sections of our channel, because we do playlists now, is Understanding the Law Radio. And you can, you can see... Um, clips and highlights and photographs and, and whatnot from those actual broadcasts on YouTube. Uh, for example, Steve's Steve's um, interview, well, you can get it on, on Blog Talk Radio and, and on the Understanding of All website. If you go to the YouTube channel and you download it or view it, I guess, um, you'll see clips from some promo videos that Steve has done. You'll see a shot of their shop at Welder Up. Um, you'll see pictures of some of the other guys that's, that he works with that are on their team. So check that out. It's really, uh, really kind of cool. And don't forget when you're on the YouTube channel, just to subscribe. You know, you're going to get videos that are going to help you because um, we do a lot of other series as well, basic law and or law basics, I should say. We talk about what the law is, how it affects you, and, and, you know, very, very short videos, but videos that are aimed at trying to educate people because the whole philosophy here is that, you know, you've got to understand the law in order to, to protect yourself, protect your rights. I mean, you know, you've got a right to uh, know what the law is. And so that's, that's the idea behind it. So subscribe. If you like the videos, give them the old thumbs up. I, you know, we really appreciate it. And, um, you know, that way you don't miss out on, on anything. Also, if you're interested, the website is uh, 
F L for understanding the Lord. Nope, nope, nope. I take that back. I do this all the time. I type it into the search engine and I cannot remember. I have to do it in my head. Maybe we should change the domain name. It's understanding the Lord. So it's U T L Radio dot com. U T L. U T L Radio. Maybe if I remember UTI, like a urinary tract infection. Maybe that'll stick in my head. So it's utlradio.com. That's the website that you want to go to. We'll show you um, information about the site, information about being a guest, and it'll give you the playlist. It'll show you the YouTube page. It'll give you access to everything that we're doing here. So check that out. All right, now, this final segment of the night. Um, Three things that I have found during this week that I believe should be illegal. And I'm going to start with with one. When you buy a playground, right, and the guy tells you that this wood never needs to be treated, oh, my God, it should be illegal. We bought a playground for the kids a few years ago, and I went to this place, and the guy's like, oh, look, this is so much better quality, so so." Uh, much higher quality than what you can get at a toy store. And he's showing me these the, the timbers, and he's like, oh, look at this wood, and it's treated, and you never have to do anything with it. Oh, my God. Two years later, three years later, this thing looked like it had been through World War III. And I'm thinking to myself, I thought I didn't have to do anything with the wood. So lying to me about playground maintenance that should definitely be illegal because it took me like three days to sand and restain the playground. And it just seemed like the playground kept growing. I mean, it's a small playground with swings on it. seemed to keep growing and growing. And I was like, you know, what am I going to do here? And then, by the way, I went to the hardware store and the guy said to me, here's a stain sprayer. Why don't you use a stain sprayer? Oh, are you kidding me? So I get the stain sprayer home and start spraying the playground. And there's stain over everything. I've got grass now that's, you know, red red oak color. So don't lie to me about the quality of your playground. It should be illegal. All right, number two, your na- neighbors and their landscapers. Oh, it should be illegal for your neighbors' landscapers to, bro- to blow grass and all their scraps onto your property. just should be illegal. Every week, you get the neighbors next door and their landscapers come and they blow all their stuff into our flower beds on the side of the house. And then it's like, you know, 15 minutes of picking out stuff that they blew in. So that should be illegal. And finally, the third thing that should be illegal this week, and then I'm really all wrapped up about this one. It should be illegal for you to be offered to be a guest on our show, Understanding the Law Radio, for us to tell you what the topic is, for you to not get back to me and then go do your own show with the exact same topic. I'm talking about a guy who I will not name, who is out in the Philadelphia area. He was offered a spot on the show. Uh, He's an interesting guy thought it would be beneficial to our listeners to have him on. We proposed a topic. Topic was of interest. 
We never heard back from him about being on the show. And a few weeks later, wouldn't you know, he does his own show with the exact same topic. That should be illegal. Absolutely illegal. You know, we have people come on the show really to try to help others learn about their successes and failures and how to um, run a business, to be an employee, to deal with the law. And so, you know, you invite somebody on the show, unless there's some personal gain for them, I, I, you know, I guess they're just not interested. But those people we don't want on the show, quite frankly, because you know, all the, the people that have been on, we've had Cord McCoy on, and he was so gracious and so nice. Uh, Yukari Kane, um, all these, these people that were really interested in sharing with others, sharing with our listeners their successes and their stories and whatever. And, and those are the kind of people that we want on. So uh, that should be illegal. And it makes me think twice, too, about uh, telling people too much about the topics that we, we want to discuss with them. You know, at some point, it's very difficult because how do you say, I'd like you on the show, but I'm not going to tell you why. And it's, it's, You can't do that, obviously. Um, but we're going to be very careful and selective with the guests that we are inviting on the show just so that this does not happen again. But that's it. That's my rant for the week. Those are the three things that should be illegal. Lying to me about the quality of your playground. Neighbors landscapers blowing debris into my flower bed every week. And stealing the topic that we ask you to talk about on Understanding the Law Radio. Well, that's it for this first segment, first ever segment on a uh, on a, a weekend night. Uh, we're going to try to do this every week. I don't know if it's going to be Fridays or Saturdays. We're still going to work that out. But it's going to be a recap of the legal stories and legal issues of the week. So make sure that you tune in. If you can't listen to the Thursday show at 10 a.m. Eastern, download it, stream it, whatever you got to do, watch it on YouTube. But if you're not out partying and you've, you know, you're sitting home and you've um, got some interest in, in what has happened this week in the law or if you have legal questions and you'd like to have them answered, call into the show. Write it down, 347-855-8831. Call in next week. We'll put it up on the site when the Week in Review show is going to be up uh, or broadcasting, and then call in, ask your questions, you'll get answers. All right, well, I hope you guys have a good night. I hope that uh, this is a, a segment that you might find interesting. Uh, I'm sure it'll get smoother as the weeks go by, but I'm very used to being in the office doing the show on Thursdays, not accustomed to Saturday night. So, uh, especially I'm sitting out in my backyard, and you can even hear some of the airplanes flying overhead and stuff, so it's completely distracting. But we'll work it out, and hopefully you'll find this interesting. So thanks for joining me tonight. Have a great weekend, and remember that there's power in understanding the law. Mm-hmm.